We're talking about, um, we're continuing our series on um, the church in the book of Acts and using the birthday of the church as sort of our uh, foundational point to talk about the foundations of Woodland Hills and what we believe God is calling this uh, body of believers to be. And we're looking at the different aspects that characterize the church in the book of Acts. And our assumption all along has been that if you want to have the kind of power and the kind of dynamism, the effectiveness, the joy, the life that the church in the book of Acts enjoyed, you need to look like the church in the book of Acts looked. And so we've rehearsed over the last four weeks a number of different areas um, that, um, where the church in the book of Acts looks different than the church today. This morning we're going to talk about prayer and how that um, was a characteristic of the church in the book of Acts. And I want to use the same verse I've used the last several weeks as the main verse I want to talk about. There I'll be throwing in other verses as we go along. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And it says this, They devoted themselves. We saw last week the word devoted means to pledge yourself, to submit to, to surrender to, or to give oneself over to. They didn't just do this incidentally. This was a central part of their entire being. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word of God that we talked about last week, and to fellowship. We see later on they met in each other's households. To the breaking of bread, to, to, to eating together, it doesn't mean communion, it just means uh, uh, they, they ate together, and to prayer. They devoted themselves, submitted themselves, surrendered themselves, pledged themselves to prayer. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we have something very similar this is while the disciples are in the upper room. The, the Lord has just ascended. And um, this is before the Holy Spirit falls upon them. Before the revival in Acts chapter 2 starts. Maybe this is part of the reason why the, the revival in Acts chapter 2 started. It says in verse 14, They all joined together constantly in prayer. They joined together constantly in prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Let's pray. Lord, this is certainly an area where I need to be confronted in. Lord, maybe it's an area that we all need to be confronted in. In our modern, secular, materialistic, atheistic worldview that we inherit from our culture, sometimes it's difficult to believe that prayer really accomplishes things. And yet, Lord, your word holds it up as, as the crucial thing that we are to do in terms of being effective for the kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use this uh, message as a way of confronting us and motivating us, stirring us up to become the prayer warriors that you've called us to be. Because without prayer, we really can do nothing. Lord, this, this message this morning needs to have your spirit to energize it, because otherwise it's just words. And even if they're true words, they're not transforming words. So, Lord, with your spirit, trans put your energy into this and make it into transforming words. We pray in your name. Amen. God's doing some really incredible things around here. I, I just have got to tell you, uh, just as a kind of a prelude thing, uh, God is just doing some incredible things. Uh, some, some things with a new twist on them lately. This whole experience, the last 16 months, has felt like a revival. Uh, it didn't always feel like a revival. Uh, sometimes it felt like a pain in the neck. But most of the time it felt like a revival. And usually where you have revivals, you're going to have a pain in the neck. So the two go hand in hand. But God's just been moving in incredible ways. The first thing God has been doing is just drawing together people who are hungry uh, for the kind of thing that we're about. 
uh, many times people who haven't previously been uh, rooted with a church. Um, and, and, and God's just been kind of just drawing together people. It's just a lot of numbers. Um, we, you know, we've just been amazed at that. I've never seen, Paul's never seen, and no one we've ever talked to has ever seen uh, a church take off this fast and just in terms of numbers. And it's just been incredible. It's, it's a move of God. But then, then the last month or so, that kind of stabilized, went down a little bit, and we're okay with that. You know, God's doing different things at different times. Um, maybe partly because of the weather or what have you. But then God begins to develop things in, in other ways. It's like he says, okay, enough of that for right now. Let's, let's start developing other things. In the last four weeks, the worship has been qualitatively uh, more spirit-filled, passionate than, than it had been before that. Uh, it's, it's as though God's saying, okay, let's hold the number thing a little bit, and now let's, let's build some depth. I'm talking, you know, this has been the last five weeks, uh, as if it's a major trend. I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to observe things. But I did notice that the worship, uh, it's like... Uh, I. It's like that, that, that Sunday where hardly anyone could come here because it was 29 below. The fewer people we had here, the more intense the worship was. And God's been developing this, this depth in worship. God's also been developing this fellowship thing. It's really starting to hit people. I love it. You know, I, I throw it out as an idea. And Paul throws it out as an idea. But then people begin to actually say, yeah, that sounds right. And we're seeing small groups develop. And the small groups that we've already had are beginning to really turn into community small groups. It's like a vision. That's starting to come into focus. It's like, a, it's like a, a baby that had an idea of what it would look like and now it's starting to be born. And it's just really exciting. I, I spoke at a small group meeting on, on Thursday. They asked me to come and just kind of talk to them. It's, it's the young married group. And they actually had a couple of, of groups together there. And I was just impressed to see biblical community stuff happening. We had the, one of the most honest... Some of you were there and you're smiling. <laughs> like, how much is he going to say here? Uh, <coughs> you get worried. Uh, I, but we had a real honest talk about sex. And we talked about the problems with it, you know, and the difficulties and struggles and questions that people had. And it was, I was just impressed with how honest and straightforward, uh, how unabashed it was. And seeing the way this community is developing in terms of people helping one another, you know, helping each other in terms of fixing each other's cars and move and decorating houses. It's really becoming a little community, a little church, which is exactly what it's supposed to be. We've had uh, 20, 25 people now who are in training for, you know, heading up new small groups. It's, it's exciting for Paul and exciting for all those on leadership uh, to be seeing this starting to happen. It's, it's part of a revival. Also, and this is just a new thing, but in this last week I, had four different, I heard from four different people, all unrelated to one another, about how God has been really meeting them in their prayer time, in their personal prayer time individually. Uh, they're, they're sensing a presence that they hadn't sensed before. Uh, it's taking on a passion and intensity that it never had before. It's becoming more than just a, a formality. So God's working in an individual lives. All over the place, he's working. And we need to say that out loud, and it's an exciting thing. What I encourage you to do is pray about how you might plug into this. God is in the, in the infancy stages of doing an incredible work here. A, a, a distinct kind of work. Most people go their life, even most believers go their life, without ever having got in the middle of a whirlwind of God, without ever having been rooted in a rushing mighty wind experience. They maybe don't even know that such a thing is possible. Our heart, my heart's passion, Paul's heart's passion. Steve prayed this passion just a couple weeks ago as we were meeting together for prayer. He said, Lord, my heart's desire is to once in my life be in the middle of something dynamic that you're doing, a revival. I don't want to hear about it now down the street. I don't want to hear about it in a different state, this or there or the other place. 
Many people chase those kind of revivals, trying to, you know, get it, and they get there just as it's leaving. I encourage you, God is doing a new thing here. It, it's the beginning stages of something that is really dynamic. And already it's been pretty mind-boggling. And I encourage you to plug in. I encourage you to plug in. You will reap the benefits of it the more you invest in it. If, if you feel called to be a part of this ministry, I encourage you to be a part of it, to plug in. There's a lot of ministry opportunities you can do. A lot of ministry opportunities you can do. And our job as leaders isn't to make you do them or to coerce you or guilt you out, but just to say they're available. Let us know you have a heart for that. Let us know an interest that you have. And our job is to try to plug you in. I encourage you to do that. You'll find that the more you're used, the more life flows through you. It's like this morning I got in my car and I, I just found out that I left my gloves at Jan's. I'm always losing clothes. I lose half my wardrobe a year. It's, it's, it's you know, I need, I, need, I need prayer in my brain or something. And my sweater's over there. See, that's, I'm always undressing. It's my problem. I'm always, you know, Jesus, it's kind of weird warm in here. So I t yeah, so I, I, I probably will lose that because I'll forget about it. But I, I forgot my gloves. So I'm on the car and I'm thinking, man, it is really cold. And my fingers are really getting cold. So I start to, I start to move them really fast. You know, and, and go like this. <laughs> like this. It's like <laughs> speaking in tongue sign language, you know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Forgive me. Well, the reason I was doing that because I'm a bright guy, and I know that if you use your, your, your limbs, it, blood, blood flows through them, huh? It's true physically. The more you use something in your body, the more blood flows through you, and it's also true in terms of the body of Christ. The more you get plugged in, the more you feel useful, the more you give whatever gifts you have, the more life's going to flow into you. You serve others, but you know what? You're the one who gets primarily blessed by doing that. I encourage you to plug in. Start getting the life to flow through you. Hop on this thing. Be a part of it. Small groups. I encourage you to pray about that. Plug it into a small group. Uh, they're, they're starting to happen. Surround yourself with some friends. Start being a part of a group that does the 57 one-anothers that you find in the New Testament. Become a part of that. Don't ride the crest on this thing. Dive in. There's a lot of ways you can get involved. A third way that I want to talk about this morning is in prayer. Align yourself with this body. If you feel called to be a part of this ministry... I want to encourage you to align yourself with his body in prayer. We are not a New Testament type of church. We are not an apostolic type of church. We are not a book of Acts type of church, except insofar that our prayer looks like the book of Acts kind of prayer. And prayer was everywhere, in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. You find prayer as being a part of everything they were about. They devoted themselves to prayer. They gave themselves over to prayer. They submitted to prayer. It was a commitment in their life. It was, it was a stable point in everything that they did. We find in Acts chapter 3, for example, that Paul and, and, and John, it just mentions casually, they were going to the temple for their hour of prayer. At noon, they always went and they prayed for an hour. It was just a part of their day, an hour a day. And that's not a part of what they did on their own. That's not their prayer on their own. That's what they did together. It was a regular part of their life. In Acts chapter 6, it says that the apostles devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. I'm going to spit this thing out if I don't spit it out now. Those people in the front row are going to get a big, you know, mint in their eye. It was a part of their life. In Acts chapter 12, we find that when Peter was put in prison, it says that they, the Christians all gathered together and prayed earnestly for his deliverance. It was a regular part, a stable part of their life. It was a part of everything that they did. And you find that throughout the New Testament. Romans 12, Paul tells us to be praying constantly. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says, pray without ceasing. Always be, let, let prayer be a part of your life. It's not so much something you do, it's something you are. Let it be a part of your life, your, your thought process when you're driving and, 
and, and, and when you're, whatever you're doing, let it be a part of your life. Four different times in the epistles. In, in Romans chapter 11, where's the verse here? Romans chapter, no, Romans chapter 15, verse 30. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 4, Paul says things like this. Join with me in, in my ministry. Be a part of my ministry by praying for me. He says, be a fellow laborer, in, in Romans 15, be a fellow laborer with me in prayer. When the Corinthians would pray for Paul and his ministry, they were right side by side with him. Everything he did, they were a part of because their prayer was making it possible. Their prayer was energizing that. What you find is this throughout the New Testament. If the church is the body of Christ, and we are all individual members, fingers, noses, fingertips, eyes, cells, molecules, we all have a little role to play, however big or however little. If that is true, and that is the primary model that the, that the New Testament uses to refer to the church, then it's also true that what holds us all together, what the blood that flows through the fingers and the feet, the same blood that flows through, through, through the whole body is found in prayer. It's rooted in prayer. It's when we join together and are praying, as, as, a, as it says in Acts chapter 1, praying in one accord, have a similar mind, praying for the same thing, investing spiritual energy that God would move in a particular way. It's when we do that that we are drawn together. When we pray together for the ministry, when we pray together for one another, it's like a magnet that pulls us together. Prayer is, another way of thinking about it is that prayer is a central nervous system. It's the way that we all tap into the head. My toes do something different than my fingers, and my nose does something different from my eyes. But they all do their distinct thing by being tapped into the same head. There's one nervous system, one channel of communication that runs throughout the whole body. If that, if that stops being the case, I, 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 my, my arm, my hand, or whatever, will not be cooperating with the rest of my body. You know, it, it'd be like uh, if it's out of whack. It's not paying attention to what my brain's saying it to do. Some people have a problem like that, you know, a twitch or something like that. And... and it's going to be a corny analogy. But, you know, it's, just, it's not in sync with the rest of the body. You're trying to play tennis, and, and your, your, your hand's trying to play basketball. And you've got to be in sync. You've got to be together. You've got to be united. You've got to be talking to the same head. And prayer is the way that we tap into that same head. Or to change the analogy a little bit, prayer is the way that we open ourselves up to receive the blood flow, the spiritual flow that runs throughout the whole body. But the bottom line is this. For a church... The unity of a church, the solidarity of a church, the single-mindedness of, of a church is rooted in prayer. Not only that, but the flowing of spiritual energy throughout the church, the flowing of the Holy Spirit, the blood of the body, is rooted in prayer. And everything we do is rooted in prayer. The growth that a church experiences is a direct result of prayer. The life and vitality that a church has when it worships and the life and vitality that the proclaiming of the word has and the life and the vitality that, that fellowships group have, has is directly related to, to prayer. The passion of a church and the outreach of the church and, and, and whether or not people get saved in church or whether or not there's healings, whether or not God can do kingdom stuff against the kingdom of darkness is all directly related to prayer. It's the foundation. It's the way that we tap in to God and the head flows through each one of us. Throughout the Bible, you find this insistence on prayer. We've got to understand something here. It's, it's really crucial. Revivals don't happen by accident. All the great prayer warriors throughout history have understood this. Revivals don't happen by accident. There's, there's a law of cause and effect that operates on a spiritual realm just as it operates on a physical realm. Physically, 
There, there was, whether you know it or not, whether you've taken anatomy, biology, reproduction systems 101, whether you know it or not, there's a cause for why you were born. Didn't just happen. Oh, they may have said it just happened, but there, we know there's a reason for it. A cause and effect. We learned about that Thursday night at, at the singles group. <laughs> yeah, are you tracking with me here? There's a law of cause and effect. And when you grow, there's a reason for that. You eat, you grow. You don't eat, you don't grow. Don't eat enough and you die. There's a law of cause and effect. Everything that happens to us physically, everything that, that the body becomes, there's a law of cause and effect. God sets things up that way. God is a God of order. But what's so important for us to understand is that God is also a God of order when it comes to spiritual matters. There's a law of cause and effect. And what Scripture tells us is that one of the crucial, perhaps the most crucial way, the crucial cause that brings about a spiritual effect is prayer. And that's a theme that runs throughout the entire scripture. We spent three months last year talking about that in different ways. If my people who are called by my name, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will they hear from heaven. If, then, cause and effect. You want to see a move of God? Pray. You want God to heal your land? Pray. You want to see forgiveness of sins? Pray. You want to see God invade the kingdom of darkness? Pray. Prayer is the cause. God moving is the effect. It's a law of cause and effect. It doesn't happen just by accident. If my people will call upon me, Jeremiah 33, 3. If they call upon me, I will show them things that they have not conceived of. It's beyond their imagination. You want God to blow your mind, the answer is to be found in prayer. The law of cause and effect. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. James 1 says, you have not because you ask not. Faith believing. James 5 tells us in verse 16, James 5, 16, that the fervent or the fiery prayer of a righteous person, a believer has great power to accomplish much. That word great power in Greek is the word we get the word dynamite from. Dynamic power. Dynamite-like power. Explosive power. Bam power. It's got that kind of power. And it may just be that if the church today doesn't experience the kind of power that the, that the church in the book of Acts experienced, that a crucial reason for that is because we've forgotten how to pray like the church of Acts people pray. We've forgotten that crucial law of cause and effect. And so the church is like a malnourished body that forgot that it's got to eat if it's going to get strong. It's got to drink if it's going to continue to live. The law of cause and effect, it's rooted in prayer. And our commitment has been from the start, and, and, and it's, to me it's, it's mind-boggling that God has blessed this ministry as much as he's blessed it because we haven't kept this commitment as, as, as intensely as we could, though it hasn't been that bad. But our commitment has been to undergird everything, accompany everything that we do, little or small, with prayer. We want prayer to be, to be the blood that flows through everything we do. All of our plans, all of our schemes, our, our, the nursery, the preaching, the music, all of it, we want prayer to be a part of it. And everything that Woodland Hills Church has been thus far in its short, in its, in its short 16 months is the direct result of the fact that God, from the very start, gave us people who are intercessors, people who are willing to pray. we got people praying for this church all, all over the place. A lot of them don't even go here. I, I just found out from Paul, we got some people in Australia. A church in Australia is praying for us. And they bloody well better be. <laughs> they get tapes from that. Whenever I think of, I always think of that guy who, I can't think of the guy now, that, that, that Australian actor. Yeah, that guy, yeah. Crocodile Dundee, that guy. Well, anyways, so they, God understands that language too. 
We got, we got a convent. We got a convent of nuns who pray for this ministry. They get tapes. I don't know how they got a hold of them, but they get, they, they get tapes from here, and they've been praying for us. And I went to Catholic school, and one thing I know about nuns is they really know how to pray. Before Vatican II, they also knew how to spank really good. <laughs> Mr. Boyd, making my daily office, my daily visit to Mother Superior's office. But prayer has been a part of it. And everything this church ever shall be, everything this church ever shall be will be the direct result of prayer. Now, God will use other things. He'll use plans. He'll use gifts. He uses it all. But what gives it spiritual energy, what makes it effective to accomplish kingdom stuff is the fact that people have been talking to God about it, going to God about it, calling upon God to, to, to have it happen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will they hear. If we're going to be a church that continues to grow in our worship, continues to experience the presence of God in worship, continues to develop uh, honest, open uh, fellowships where, where people are healed and, and can relate to one another. If we're going to be a church where we continue to see people saved by the dozens, by the hundreds, why not? It'll be because of prayer. It'll be because of prayer. And here's a challenge that, I, that, that the Lord gave me to give when, when, when we were just starting. When we had 20 people, we gave this challenge. And when we had 60, we gave this challenge. And a year and 15, a year and three months ago when we had 400, we gave this challenge. And, and six months ago when we had 600, we gave this challenge. And three months ago when we had 800, we gave this challenge. And now that we're at 1,000, I'm going to give the challenge again. And I'll give it next year when we're maybe at 2,000. Who knows? The challenge is this. If you feel like this is a part where, where this is the, a body where you want to be plugged into. This is where you're supposed to be. I encourage you to pray a minimum of five minutes a day for this ministry. You can pray a lot more. Don't say, oh, God, i got to quit now because Pastor Boyd said just do it for five minutes. No, but a minimum of five minutes. If we could get 1,000 people praying five minutes a day for, for the various aspects of this ministry, hold up every aspect of the ministry. That's 5,000 minutes a day of prayer. That's a lot of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of spiritual energy in that, folks. Over a week, that'd be seven times. Uh, uh, 35,000 minutes of prayer? 35,000? I, I don't want to be mechanical about this, but that's a lot of power. And when we get... And when we get 2,000 people praying five minutes a day, there'll be 10,000 minutes a day. It's like putting money in a bank, you know, and then God spends it. That's kind of how I see it. Putting money in, in, in a bank, and, and we, got, we got resources available to accomplish more than we could ever accomplish on our own. I encourage you to be investing in this. And what you find is this. The church gets blessed because of it, but you get blessed because of it. It's a way of tapping in. You'll find a certain solidarity, a, a, solidarity, a union with, a, with, with this ministry when you plug in and are committed to praying for it on a regular basis. And I believe that what we're seeing here is just the beginning of what God wants to do. But prayer is going to be the king, the, the king, the, the, the key. Jesus is the king. Prayer is the key that gets the king to move. Whoa, that was a smooth... I, I got to... That's what I wanted to say it was. Right. I, I want to confront this head on, though. Okay, that's been the rally thing here, okay? Now let's get honest. We don't pray like the church in the book of Acts prays, or at least we have difficulty praying that way. I know I don't. To be devoted to, pledged to, submitted to, surrendered to. We have trouble praying like that. And I want to ask the question, why? I don't think it's because we're carnal, vile, sinful, wicked people who just really don't love God and just want to play church. I don't believe that's, why, that, that, that's, that, that, that's uh, the reason. I think it's other than that. And there's a couple reasons that I, 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 I got about why we have trouble praying, but this morning I want to just talk about one of them. 
One of the reasons why I think we have trouble praying as, as intensely, as passionately, and as consistently, and as long as the people in the book of Acts prayed is because we don't clearly see that it is effective. Gave all this hoopla, all this biblical stuff, very biblical about cause and effect, how God answers prayer, how God gives all these promises connected with prayer. But a lot of you got to be thinking this. Maybe all of us think this if we're really honest with ourselves. Why don't we see it more? Now, we see some of it, yeah. But a lot of times we pray and we don't see diddly squat. And so it doesn't seem like the law of cause and effect applies. I know that if I turn on the light switch, the light's going to go on. I know that. I know that if I put my jumper cables on my car, well, maybe, but, but hopefully the, the thing will start. It takes me about a half hour to figure out uh, which, which one goes on which. But, but there's a law of cause and effect. But when it comes to prayer, we don't see it quite so, quite so readily. So it doesn't seem like God answers prayer. We all have things in our mind where we saw that it didn't happen. What do you do with that? And I want to just ask that, that, that straightforwardly. I want to give four answers to that, real brief and very practical, just practical ways maybe to change our perspective so that we can see the spiritual law of cause and effect working. Why does it seem like God doesn't answer prayer? Number one, God does answer prayer a lot more frequently than, we, than we'd ever think. But we don't tell other people about it, and so we don't hear how much God answers prayer. Because it's not out there for everyone to see, no one else knows about it, so we just assume that it never happened. It was, it, it was just uh, a non-existent kind of thing. One of the areas that we've been very remiss in, very falling, falling short on in terms of our leadership, is, is in bragging on God about the things he has done, or the Bible calls glorifying God. It just means to brag on God. Jesus says, be a witness for me. A witness is someone who sees something happen and tells someone about it. That's all it is. You see a car wreck, you tell someone about it, you're a witness. He wants us to witness for him, to brag on him, to tell people about what he's doing so that we will be convinced in our mind that God is a God who answers prayer. And we haven't done that enough. I encourage you, when God answers prayer in your life, tell us about it. And we'll find a format to make that known. Maybe, maybe at some point we could have a testimony service where God could just stand up and, and, or people could stand up and just kind of say what God's been doing in their life. But we need to brag on it. We need to tell people about it. Here's something you wouldn't have otherwise known. I mean, this is just this week. Jan, Jan, Paul's wife, had a real bad back problem one night. They pray for it, and the next morning she wakes up and it's gone. Brag on God. Look what God did. That's a, that's a God thing. We had a person this week, a, a little kid, who had some kind of eye infection, eye problem, black eye duck, whatever that was, and, and they were going to operate on it. And the parents prayed for the child, and the child was healed. Glory to God. Brag on God. That's a great thing that God does. We had a person with a chest pain person with a chest pain who was healed, and a person with a shoulder problem that was healed, and that's just this week. That's just this week. But if you, don't, if you don't talk about that, then people never see that God is, in fact, a God who answers prayer. Here's one for you. Last week, I, I met a young man. I, 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 I don't know if he's here this morning. Um, just up in the, up in the, the, the cafeteria, um, he was sitting, standing alone. I just went over and introduced myself. And this is why it's important to reach out to people who are alone. You never know what's going to be there. In the course of about five-minute conversation, I, I found out that he, he was not a believer. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in God and didn't believe in the Bible. and had never been to church until the week before, uh, last week. I, I told him about uh, uh, you know, the, this book with my dad that was coming out and how we address a lot of issues and stuff, and I encouraged him to read it and then call me and we, we talk about it and stuff. And I was looking at it like a six-month-to-a-year kind of evangelism thing, you know? As we were walking into the service, he went ahead of me. And I caught another young man who was there I'd never seen before. <laughs> but I, I just said, are you a believer? And the young man said, yeah. <laughs> like nothing, like getting personal quick. 
Uh, what's the worst sin in your life? We said he was a believer. So I said, well, would you just pray for that guy who just went in there? And, and, uh, and after service, maybe just go up and introduce yourself or something. Just, just, just say a prayer for him. That's all. It was a 10-second thing. Last week, there was a tremendous anointing in the worship service. The presence of God was here. And then there was a real anointing with the word. The presence of God was there. Afterwards, I, I ended up talking with and praying with people for about 45 minutes after the service. And after all was said and done, there was this young man sitting in the middle of, this, uh, of these chairs. And he came forward, waited 45 minutes for this. And, and, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but basically he said, this thing is real, isn't it? And I said, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. He goes, so what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And I, I had the opportunity of leading this, this wonderful guy uh, into the kingdom. And it was just uh, such a, a touching thing. Uh, we're all on God! That's what it is! God answers prayer. We need to shout it from the housetop how God answers prayer when God does something in our life. That's what builds faith. It gives encouragement. And the more we see the law of cause and effect operating, the more we're, we're interested in investing our time in prayer. We're not wasting time when we pray. There really is a, 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 a spiritual law of cause and effect. We need to say it out loud. There's a lot of stuff like that going on. We could go on about, you know that there was 11 people who accepted the Lord at our late last faith studies? We didn't say that. We, we need to proclaim that. Eleven people. Now, that, that's not 110, but, but that will be coming. But it, the Bible says if you're faithful in a little bit, he'll make you faithful over much. Let's brag on the little things God does and, and see what else he's going to do. He, even the little stuff like, like this. I, my car two weeks ago when it was 29 below zero wouldn't start. Just wouldn't start. I put the jumper cables on, finally figured out which, the red on red. Oh, yeah, black on black. Got that going. It, was, it just wouldn't start at all. Couldn't kick that thing over for nothing. Nathan was out there, you know, so he could uh, uh, share in my mechanical genius. <laughs> and and uh, um, I said, Nathan, we're going to need to pray on this one. You're going to have to pray with a car. So Nathan just sounds out there in the 29 below zero weather and says, Jesus, make our car go. Jesus, make our car go. Jesus, make our car go. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, all right, this is going to go. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Atheist himself. I get in the car and it starts up. Room. <laughs> Praise God. Now, that's not parting the Red Sea, mind you. I, I know that. <laughs> and it's not the biggest thing, but man, I'm telling you, first of all, I appreciated it. I don't know, you know, save me about 30 bucks. But for little Nathan, what a testimony. It's like, you know, this is, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's how God builds faith. We need to be talking about it. When God does something, talk about it. Brag on God about it. You know what my God did just the other day? He started my car. I tell somebody about a great friend who did that. Well, I got a great friend who did it. Why not brag about it? Talk about it. Sing it from the housetop. That's what builds faith. If we, if we shut up about it, no one sees the law of cause and effect in operation. I got to really wrap this thing up. Number two, a lot of times, a lot of times we, we, we think that the law of cause and effect doesn't operate because um, how the, I got them running the aisles now. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times we forget to look. We forget to look. You know, we pray when we're in a pinch. God gets us out of the pinch, but then we're in a new pinch. So we're praying about that pinch, and we forgot about the old pinch that's no longer a pinch. 
Life's pressured like that. And, and we forget to look at what we prayed for and how God has answered it. And then we don't God, give God the glory for it. You know, you pray for your daughter because your daughter's lonely. Then God gives your daughter a friend. But by then you're praying that she'll do good in her homework, you know, because her homework's falling apart. And, and you got some friends whose marriage is falling apart. So you pray for the marriage. And then God heals the marriage. But now your husband's without a job. So you pray that God would give him, please, give him, give him a job. Well, he gets a job. But now your marriage is on the rocks. So you're praying, God, heal our marriage. <laughs> Heal our marriage. And so God heals your marriage. But now your daughter, and you quit praying about the homework now, she's flunking out of school. So you got to pray for her. <laughs> it goes on and on and on like that. And we never stop to say, whoa, you know, if you just stop and think about it, a lot of the things I prayed about, I think it happens all the time, a lot of things I prayed about have been answered. Some people keep a journal. That's not, that's not a bad idea. A third thing, very quickly, is that very frequently we don't persevere in our prayers. We shoot one up, and that's good to shoot one up if that's just what's on your heart to do. But for the things that are really deep in our heart, the Bible assumes that prayer is persistent prayer. It's a labor. It's work. It's something that, that uh, uh, you spend time with. Jesus says when you pray, nag. That's really what he says. When you pray, nag. Luke 18. He says, pray like this woman who's got to get this judge to hear her case. The judge doesn't want to hear her case. The judge doesn't care about justice. The, guy, the judge doesn't care about her. And the judge doesn't care about God. Knock on his door until finally, just to get him off your back because you're being such a nag, he'll finally hear your case. Act as though God were like that. Bombard heaven. If, if Jesus Christ is the husband of the church and the church is the bride, this is the first marriage in history where the husband tells the wife, please nag me. Please give me some more. Uh, you know, you haven't bugged me enough about it. You know, I, I'm waiting. Darling, dear. God wants... Wait, you know, sometimes we feel like we're next, don't we? Like, God, I know I've asked you this before a hundred times, and I know you're getting sick of it. No, 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 no. He's the one who's saying, uh, nag me some more. Come on, just knock down the... And he's invested power in that because he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to learn to spend time with him. He wants us to learn to have faith in being persistent. Don't give up too quickly. Press on through. As long as it's on your heart or until you see it answered or until God releases it, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Be persistent in prayer. The final word, and this is a whole other sermon. Do you got another hour or so? No. These kids don't have another hour or so. I'm going to wrap this up. Sometimes God, God isn't tied to answering prayers the exact way we dictate that he should answer it. We've got to give God space to use the power of prayer. On the authority of God's word, prayer is never wasted time. That's the point I want to drive home. Prayer is never wasted time. But God doesn't always apply the power of prayer the way we think he should. Our perspective on the whole thing, on the world, is, is to God smaller than an amoeba's is to ours. We don't see the whole story. We don't see half the story. We don't see one trillionth of the story. And if God's will doesn't always line up with our will, it's because God sees things that we don't see. Don't think that that means prayer is wasted time. It's never wasted time. It always, the, the, the word says, it always accomplishes much. But it doesn't always accomplish just the way that we think it should. Sometimes, and, and some of us are wrestling with, it, with, with this right now, um, as, as we have a good friend in the church who's, who's dying of cancer. We want God so badly to, to respond to our prayers in just the way we think he should. And it seems to us like this is the highest good, this is what he must will. And some people will tell you, that God must will it. There's the theology out there that says that, that as a Christian, anything you pray for, God makes it his will and gives it to you. You want a Cadillac? You got a Cadillac. You want healing? You got healing. That backfires so bad, and some other time we'll talk about that. It means that the, people, the person who is sick and the person who is dying dies all alone because they're never allowed to be honest with the fact that they're dying. 
They got to always be positive and happy. There's nothing in the Word of God to support that. We got to give God space, like Jesus in the garden. You pray, pray persistently, pray believing. There is a law of cause and effect, but the effect isn't always the one that we we're expecting. And so finally, we have to say, Not my will, but thine be done, God. You're the Lord who runs the universe. I'm the amoeba. You've told me to pray. You've told me to be persistent. But in the end, you have your way. Let's stand and close in prayer. I want you to know that the altar's open here. Um, I, I'm not going to be up here. I'm going to be up in the, uh, the, the bookstore. <laughs> it just became a bookstore. No, um, that was cheap. I want you to know that the front of the auditorium is open uh, for any matter. You know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. There are people here whose ministry is to pray with you. To just say, Jesus, start his car, start his car. Who knows? I encourage you to come forward. If there's something on your heart, enter into prayer with them. Uh, begin to put the law, uh, the spiritual law of cause and effect into operation. Lord, thank you that you in your wisdom and in your sovereignty have decided not just to do all things by your own fiat, Lord, but to include your children as a part of the process. Being a wise God, Lord, you have just ordained that there's a law of cause and effect that we have a part, that we have a, a, a say in. And that empowers us, Lord, and it encourages us to talk to you, maybe nag you, but to develop a relationship with you. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would above all else. Lord, I, I pray that we'd be, a, we'd be a place that wouldn't be known for numbers, but we'd be known for prayer. A, a place, a, a body of people who know how to depend on you for everything in prayer. Raise up warriors, Lord God, because as you said, our minds can't conceive of what you can do when people call upon you in prayer. In your name we pray.